Hallelujah, and that it really is good, good to be alive right about now. If you've missed any of our services uh, or any of our messages, you can always catch up with them online or over at guest services as we travel through Ecclesiastes together, the personal God-inspired journal of Solomon, uh, the wisest man that ever lived in the Older Testament. And uh, this is towards his twilight years as he writes these thoughts. He wrote Song of Solomon earlier on, just about the time he was getting married. Wrote Proverbs in the middle. And now he reflects on life and uh, really is trying to, trying to figure out, so he's alive. Now what? What is he doing? Is he, has he really been living um, under the sun? And uh, he finds out that his hallelujahs have been placed in things that just don't hold up. And he continues to use this theme of meaningless, vanity, uh, you know, vapor, and the idea that he's put the weight of his life often in things that just won't support his life. And he's trying to save us uh, from making that same kind of mistake. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we leaning on? Uh, what slides in? Uh, for those of us new to faith, for those of us trying to figure things out, uh, this is all new, and, and that, that's fine. That's to be expected. Uh, and you ask yourself, what am I leaning on? Am I leaning on my relationship with God? In a few moments, we'll celebrate communion, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then for those of us who have been Christ followers for a while, what are we leaning on? And it's real easy to have an ebb and flow to our life. There are times where we're leaning into God, and then there's times where we're leaning into other things. And we're not really living that well under the sun, even though things seem to be going all right. A lot of times it's when the bottom drops out, we find that that thing, that item we were leaning into just uh, doesn't have substance. Well, beginning in uh, chapter 8, Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon starts out with this idea. He says, there's nothing better than being wise, knowing how to interpret the meaning of life. Wisdom puts light in the eyes and gives gentleness to words and manners. And it's interesting, if you look at scholars, some scholars think that uh, verse 1 should actually be part of the thought of chapter 7, and then others believe it's starting uh, to get into the thoughts of chapter um, 8. And uh, what, regardless of where it fits connectly, that idea still is there. And there's this idea that you and I uh, need to know how to interpret the meaning of life. And wisdom helps us. It brings light to our eyes. It helps us to see clearly. And then a product of having that wisdom isn't harshness, isn't over the top, I'm right and you're wrong. There's actually a gentleness to our words and to our manners. And as we jump into chapter 8, we're going to see, in a sense, government, kingdom, those kinds of ideas. And if you and I are going to interpret the meaning of, of life, 
We live in the shadow of our democracy, of our government, of our policymakers. So understanding that and trying to figure out what our roles are in regards to them. Earlier we just uh, prayed for our president and the cabinet and others. Uh, that needs to be a part of it. But we do live in a place where we are answerable to the authorities in our lives. And uh, some of us are, are very, hopefully all of us are very familiar with this, but I want you to just uh, listen to this, the Pledge of Allegiance. I, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation. So if we are this one nation under God, and many of us in this room claim to be Christ followers, what does that look like in our life? How, do, how does that actually show up? What does it look like to be under God? Now it's interesting, uh, some of us may not be aware of, but this little phrase, under God, in the Pledge of Allegiance, was added in 1954, not 18-something-something, 1994. And it's interesting, President Eisenhower had this added because of the situation with communism and the Cold War, and he wanted to remind everyone it was under God. So if you go back and look, you'll see that this was added. That doesn't mean that uh, our nation wasn't uh, founded by uh, people of faith and all of that, but that little phrase wasn't in the Pledge of So if you had said the Pledge of Allegiance in 1953, you would have not said under God. Nobody would have noticed. But Eisenhower thought, President Eisenhower thought it was the best thing to add, and, and, and the population uh, embraced that. And so it's interesting, sometimes those of us as Christ followers don't know the whole story on some of these things. So then we go out and make a point that's strong, and we discover that we don't know the whole story. And then we have somebody else who comes alongside us who knows the whole story, and we didn't realize it. So it, in a sense, it hurts our position. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's also interesting, I was reading about this, that... Um, before World War II, when we would pledge of allegiance to the United States, uh, we didn't put our hands on our hearts. Some of us are in the habit of doing that. that. That wasn't what people would do when they stood around. They actually put their hand out like this and pointed to the flag. And with the rise of Hitler, all of a sudden that stopped and it went from here. So be very careful when you get into conversations with people that you really know the whole story. Uh, one of my favorites is Xmas, Christmas Xmas. If you go back in history, you'll see back in the early days of the church, actually when they wrote Christmas, they actually wrote Xmas because it's a Greek letter and it pointed to Christ. And sometimes you'll hear people get way over the top angry about that, but they don't realize for hundreds of years... In the early church, that's the way you would have seen it. 
And sometimes you get into these conversations with people, and sometimes they're more educated about our faith and our understanding than we are. And you make those comments, and all of a sudden, your arguments lose a lot of traction. So when we talk about our country and we talk about living under God, and again, Solomon is going to get into this role of government. Of course, it was different because he was the king. He was the absolute authority. But this idea that the, the nation, a nation, a kingdom, whatever you want to call it, is, is under God is so important. And we'll find, and we all know this as we watch the headlines, that, that our lives are greatly affected by the way our government, the way our president, the way our Congress function and interact with each other. It, it has significant ripple effects in, in our own lives. And uh, when these headlines come out, it, it means something for us. It, it changes the way uh, we interact with our lives. So understanding what it means to be a nation under God, understanding what Solomon had to say about it, helps us live well under the sun. Now, as I was thinking about headlines, uh, I came across this headline that really just has unnerved my life. And uh, here, here it is. This eye-popping headline, the U.S., listen to this, would run out of avocados in three weeks if President Trump shuts down the border with Mexico. There's a lot of headlines about avocados. NBC News is reporting that nearly half of all imported U.S. vegetables and 40% of imported fruit are grown in Mexico, according to the latest data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and that it would be three weeks before avocados run out in this country. The move could be particularly tough for you avocado lovers out there. Mission Produce, the largest distributor and grower of avocados in the world, says Mexico supplies almost all of the avocados in the United States during the winter. The company says the United States would run out of avocados in three weeks if the border were closed. Oh my, I love avocados. I am in big trouble, and avocados, you can't keep them for months and months and months, so I'm in trouble. So if you see me at, like, Walmart or someplace grabbing lots of avocados, you know why. But um, headlines do affect our lives, and that was a little silly, and that was a little funny. But uh, the recent headlines, just even last night and yesterday, are significant. And as people of faith, what do we do with those headlines? How do we react to them? Tonight, a community shattered by mass murder, the rampage by a gunman in Virginia Beach. This is my home. You touched my heart when you touched the people of our city. A longtime city employee opening fire on fellow workers, killing 12 people. I lost friends and family, um, close church members. The victims now identified. Details of the gunman and his weapons now emerging as the city comes together in shock and grief after the country's latest mass killing. New evacuations tonight as several levees breach in that flood emergency raging across several states. And the official start of hurricane season is just hours away, with so many hard-hit places from last season still racing to rebuild. The price you pay could be about to go up for many of the things you buy as President Trump
Trump threatens new tariffs on goods from Mexico. The move meant to force Mexico to stop the flow of migrants, how it could affect your money. A judge's critical ruling tonight as Missouri's only abortion clinic could be forced to stop performing the procedure. It would be the first state without an abortion clinic since Roe versus Wade. And CBD's soaring popularity, it's being promoted for everything from skin care to pain relief. But does it work? Federal health officials now wading into the craze for the first time. A breakthrough in the fight against advanced breast cancer, a new treatment that slows the progression of the disease and helps some women live longer. And the apology by the hiker who was lost for more than two weeks in a forest in Hawaii, now admitting she was irresponsible. This is NBC Nightly News. With... You see, headlines matter. And our government, however you feel about it, has a huge piece of how this all unfolds. So how you and I, as a Christ follower, respond, hopefully not react, but respond, is, is significant. So, so what do we do with these? So some of us actually don't watch the news because we don't want to know about these things. I don't think that necessarily is the right track. Every once in a while I bump into our daughters and we start talking about things that are going on in the world and, and they really don't know what's going on in the world. And I remind them they ought to know about those things so at least they can, they can be praying about those things. I try, I don't do it all the time, but I try to make it a habit when I see some of these headlines, when I'm watching the evening news because we uh, tape it, TiVo it, uh, that, I, that I actually, in my thoughts, I'm praying as I hear about these things. I can't imagine uh, the flooding. I can't imagine uh, the tornadoes of this week. I can't imagine being in Virginia Beach. Uh, I can't imagine trying to make policies and get people to work together and, and not play games on all sides. I, I, can't, I, I wouldn't want that role or job. But we need to pray for them. So, so, so what do we do? How do we, how do we interact with that? Our bottom line we're starting off with on the front side today is this idea is what dominates the headlines doesn't have to dominate our hearts. That doesn't mean we're not aware but we don't have to be anxious about it. We don't have to live in anxiety. We don't have to live in a state of panic. But we do need to be aware. We need to be responsible citizens. What dominates the headlines, what we watch, what we see, doesn't have to dominate our hearts. And I would encourage you to be an educated, well-informed Christ follower and to know what's going on in the world. I challenge you to have more than one source, more than Fox and New Friends, more than the NBC. Uh, I like getting the BBC's news feed a little bit so I know how the rest of the world is kind of looking at what's going on here. Well-informed, praying for what's going on in our world. Uh, you know, there's some of us who are still debating whether prayer actually helps or does anything, but for those of us who think prayer does do something, some of the most valuable things you can do during the day is pray for some of these situations that are going on around the world. So we're going to jump into verse 2 of chapter 8. That's page six, 465 in the Rack Bible, the Seat Bible around you. If you don't have a paper Bible and you want one, you can take that as a gift from Seneca Community Church. 
Um, also, a U version, love that, that electronically you can put that on any device and have all kinds of different translations and paraphrases right at your fingertips. So what do we do? So the first thing uh, we need to start thinking about is this idea of following the authorities while following Christ. Following the authorities while following Christ. And again, we're going to break this down, so if you think I've missed a piece out, hopefully we'll get to it by the time we're done talking about this. But if we look at verse 2, we see, Obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Now again, we could go through and draw parallels and the differences and all of that, but, but what I want you to take away is there does seem to be some kind of responsibility as a Christ follower, to follow the lead of those who are our authorities. And uh, it seems that if we're following Christ well, if we're living well under the sun, then we obey the authorities in our life. Jesus actually said it this way in Mark 12, 17. He said, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, referring to finances, Caesar's images on the coin. It's very, very one of these aha moments. And to God, what's God? And they were amazed. So if you and I are going to actually be an all-in Christ follower, we have to come to terms with following the authorities placed in our life, including our government. And going along with that, you heard this reflected in, in the prayer, we need to learn how to make it easy for the authorities. Do we make it easy for those in authority over us? Now, some of us don't like authorities. Some of us don't like submitting to anyone. Some of us have actually chosen occupations, so we're our boss, thinking that we don't have to listen to anybody. But if we were to take time and go through scripture after scripture after scripture, there is this idea that we are all ultimately answerable to God, but God puts people in our lives that we need to submit to, respond to. And that's the way it is. I can remember having a couple conversations with some folks at one time, and I said, you know, we all have to submit to somebody. As a Christ follower, there's a spiritual discipline in that. There's something amazing to say, letting somebody else who can say no to you. I've been in situations where I've actually had others who were kind of like a counsel say no or yes to me, and they were surprised at the way I responded to them because they thought I was going to brush it off. Well, if it wasn't sinful, if it was an opinion, even Dave Spencer needs to answer and be held accountable to somebody. If there's no one that you say holds you accountable, there's something out of whack in your life. Absolutely. And some of us can be a little pious and religious and say, well, I'm answerable to God. And that's true, but because you've kind of put God over here, 
you can say that and maybe in your own mind get off the hook, but you really aren't off the hook. So do we make it easy for the authorities in our life? If I get pulled over by a police officer and he knew I was a Christ follower, let's say I had this uh, bumper sticker that said, you know, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, you know, kind of thing. And he goes, oh, it's one of these Christians. He pulls, is he, is he going to go, this is going to be easy, or is this guy going to give me some attitude? Is he going to give me every excuse under the book, or is, he gonna be, is it going to be easy? Do we make it easy for those that are in authority? Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Again, little different than democracy, a republic versus a kingdom. But the idea is, you know, do we just, are we just, are we just, no one can tell us anything. And so it's never easy. If you were a part of a work group, uh, do people go, oh, I'm happy that person's a part of a work group. They contribute. They make the group better. Or are they going to be a, a thorn in my side every step of the way? Questioning everything just because they're disagreeable. Make it easy for the authorities. Kind of go along with that. Do those in authority over you, are they glad you're a Christ follower? Are they, are they happy? Or are they like, no, that is going to be a pain in my side. To those in authority over you, are, are, they, are they glad you're a Christ follower or not? Does that, does that make any difference in anyone else on the team? I've said this before, but uh, as Christ followers, employers should, in a sense, seek us out. Because if we're walking with God, if we're responding to God, if we're living that kind of a life, we would, it would be better to have us working for them. They may not buy into the whole faith thing, but they like the way we behave and operate. They like honesty. They like work hard for your pay. They like all those things. So when they're looking, and they can't do this, obviously, if they were looking at resumes and they could see Christian, not Christian, you, you want them not because they're not because of their prejudice, it's because the label Christian actually means something positive. But in most our circles, it doesn't. And it's not because they're picking on us, it's because we've earned that label as a negative way. So, are they glad? Paul writes in Romans, he says, that's why you must live responsibly, not just to avoid punishment, but also because it's the right way to live. Is it, do you tote the line just because you don't want to get punished? Or is it because it's the right way to live? shared this with you before, but I remember when the kids were growing up, and I had some daughter, one daughter that would tote the line all the time, and I wondered, I wondered if she just had figured it out to avoid punishment, I'll do this. But then when she's out, she's out. Will she be the most off-the-wall one out of the three or not? Is it the one that's just giving me a hard time all the time, believe it or not? There was that case. She's giving me a hard time all the time. Is she, is she, what's that mean? And I was a little worried that the most compliant wasn't really owning it. They just were clever at knowing I'll get less resistance. I'll avoid less punishment if I walk this way. But I'm not buying into any of this. 
So for us, do we tote the line? Do we do what's right just because we're afraid of punishment? Or do we know that it's the right way to live? I already talked about this a little bit, but everyone is under someone. Everyone. Even if you don't think you are. Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? In a king's situation, even in an official government person, there's a lot of times where you can't say anything. Is their word is supreme. We're, we're under, everyone is under someone. Back to Romans 3, 1 and 2, we read, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority established which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. It's so funny, and I'm probably going to get myself into hot water with this, but I love it when I hear arguments for support or against one president, and that goes out the window to another president, and it goes back and forward. It's, 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 it's like God established this one, but didn't establish that one. That's when we had to get the yoke off from under. We needed to get that one out of the office, but not this one. It's either all or nothing. God has established. Sometimes we get what we deserve. Sometimes we get what reflects us. But God has established it. God's hand is in it. If God's hand is not in it, then we're in, and we have bigger problems to talk about. Everybody is under somebody. Verse 7. Fulfill your obligations as a citizen. Pay your taxes. Pay your bills. Respect your leaders. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but there ought to be some kind of respect. How you express that, some application with that. But you know when you're being respectful or disrespectful. I try to work hard when I refer to the president. Sometimes I don't call him President Obama, President Trump. I just don't call him Trump or Obama or whoever, regardless, because there's some respect, whether I agree with them or not. And you know what's amazing about this? Who was the president, the emperor, when Paul wrote these words? Not good guys. Nero is in there. There's a couple of not very good guys. These were guys that were horrible, injustice, cruel, merciless, and and. Paul says this. You have to work out what that means. Again, are our leaders happy that there's Christians, Christ followers in the midst? Or does it even come up on their radar? A wise citizen stays away from trouble unless it's right to do so. Talk a little bit about that. 
And, and one reason we do that is so that we can leverage our lives to point to Christ. Don't get sidelined. Don't get all messed up in that stuff. You're a Christ follower first, then an American second. Do, does it actually get reflected in your life that way? Verse 5, back to Solomon. Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm, and the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. How to say something. If we were to go back and look at Nehemiah, Nehemiah voiced some displeasure, but he knew the right way to do it. He wasn't about making a point. He was about making a difference. And there's a way to approach someone, and there's a way not to approach someone. Where I grew up, they had, uh, you know, town meetings, which were crazy, sometimes free-for-alls. And uh, some of those officials, when they saw so-and-so and heading their way, it was like, oh, no. What craziness, what this, what is... is I hope you're not known as that kind of person. That so the minute they see you coming, so the next minute when they see you pointing to Christ, all that craziness gets equated with that, and all your faith goes out the window because of your other positions. Because you make the other positions more focus of your life than following Christ. So when it comes to following Christ, your voice is not heard because they've thrown you out because of all these other things. Authorities are only a threat if you're trying to get by with something. Decent citizens should have nothing to fear. Do you want to be on good terms with the government? Be a responsible citizen and you will get on just fine. You know, I never have to worry about seeing <coughs> excuse me, a police officer on the side of the road when I'm going the speed limit. It's amazing. When I'm not, I'm like, <laughs> is it five miles over or ten miles over? Is it, boy, somebody just went, you know, it's, it's all that. You know, just get by fine. Nothing to fear at all. And there's cases where that needs to be the case. If you're going to do the crime, you need to be willing to pay the fine. So, Yet when I say this, and for most of us, Thank God this next statement has not come into our realms. But this next one, Peter and the other apostles replied when they got called out on the carpet for pointing to Christ, we must obey God rather than human beings. Hoskin, do you know God and his ways well enough to make that determination? Some of us don't. Some of us throw that out there. Oh, it's not. Is it really? Are you sure? Are you absolutely positive about that? Or is that really just your preference? Is that because you're trying to get away with something? That's because you want to do something. But Peter and the other apostles said, we need to obey God rather than human beings. That, that's fine. But thankfully, that doesn't happen too much for us at this point in our life. Other places on the planet, that's happening all the time. Maybe in your business it might happen. Maybe where you work, there's some integrity things. I can remember one time I, t I told you that I, I had a real run-in with my boss because he wanted me to be dishonest with the way I was recording my hours. 
And I had to, I had to say no to that. But, but I can't come up with like a million of those examples, maybe just a couple. So obey God rather than human beings. We have to realize, even with our governments, even with those who are in charge of us of authority, everybody lives with uncertainty. Everybody lives with uncertainty. So cut them some slack. They don't know what next month is going to, what's going to happen. So they're trying to make decisions. Hopefully they're not selfish based decisions, but when they're trying to make decisions, they have the same uncertainty that you have. They just have a, a bigger scope of influence because they're an authority. They're in, in charge. For there's a proper time and procedure for every matter to where a person may be weighed down by misery. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? And we've been in those situations where uh, city officials, presidents, whoever, makes a decision because uh, they just don't know the future. Sometimes it was because of sloppiness they make that decision. Then they need to be held accountable. Sometimes it's just that they couldn't predict that. I'm sure there's been some times in your life where something's unfolded and you could not predict it. And you're like, I couldn't predict that. You might say that to your spouse. I didn't know that was going to happen. You might say that to your kids. Your kids might say that to you, whatever. And you go, oh, yeah, that's great. We'll give the same courtesy to those that you live in authority to. Peter says this, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. And again, here we go, honor the emperor. This was Peter's reality. But don't use your freedom for just selfishness. When we celebrate communion in a couple minutes, we're going to talk about looking to the past, what Christ did for us. Uh, we look within to see where our heart is with our relationship with God. Uh, we also look around. That's the reason that little envelope's in there for, for needs that come up in our community and our church family so we can just respond to them. But that looking around is this idea that we use our freedom to make a difference in someone's life. We use, our faith isn't just for ourselves. It's to touch somebody else's life. If we just think of our faith being a, I'm all set so I can be relieved by that, that's, that's pretty selfish. I, I'm, I'm all set in a sense so that I can then be free to touch another person's life. Not just so I can go to sleep at night and go, well, if I die tonight, I'll be in heaven. So I'm all set. I don't care about this other person. See, leveraging our freedom, using it well. Kind of going along with this, no one has ultimate power except God. Sometimes we wonder why he's not showing up in certain ways, why he allows certain things to happen. And, and that, that's one of those mysteries. There's no emotionally satisfying answer we could say our world is broken, and I totally agree with that. I agree as human beings we're broken. I believe nature is broken. Uh, you, you know, so God lets it run its course because we've initiated that. But uh, God does have ultimate power, and someday he'll pull that lever. But as I think we said last week, 
He's waiting. He's waiting so that you and I have time to respond. Our friends have time to respond. Our family has time to respond. As no one has power over the wind to contain it, no one has power over the time of their death, and no one is discharged in the time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. This idea of power, power, power. You see, God is in control of who is in control. Even the most vile things, there are, there are lines. And again, there's no emotionally satisfying answer for some of those situations. You could bring up story after story after story. And why? Why was that allowed? But then we can go right back to God's only son, Christ. Why was he allowed to go through what he went through? Yes, we'd say, well, so our relationship with God could be established. But still, with this, still this, it's not very satisfying. Jesus prayed, may this cup pass from me. May there be another plan. And God said, no, this is the plan. But Dad, no, this is the plan. So as we think about this and we think about those in power over us, living well under the sun, not letting the headlines own us, then there's a question we have to ask ourselves, what happens when we have the power? It's interesting how you can sometimes see people that don't have the power, and then when they get the power, they misuse it as bad as the former power people, or worse. They do the same things. So the warning is, be careful how you leverage power. All of us have power. Relational power, financial power, you may not think you have that much of it, but you have it. In some realm, you have it. How do you leverage it? Verse 9 says, All this I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun. There is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt. There's this idea that we lord it over somebody else. It hurts them, but it also hurts us. We could look at some parables that Jesus told about the person that was forgiven just a little but that person that was forgiven a little had a debtor that had someone that owed them money and, and they and they are lie and they wouldn't let it go they lord it over his own heart when you have the power do you do the right thing sometimes I've realized that the reason I don't have the power is because God knows I wouldn't do the right thing he's actually protecting me and protecting those in my life shame on me that I wouldn't use it wisely, use it well. Warning, be careful how you leverage power. That great theological wonder Spider-Man said this. I think he heard it from his Uncle Pete. With great power comes great responsibility. Great responsibility. How are you using the power entrusted to you? Jesus gives us a wonderful picture of how to use power, how not to be captivated by the headlines when we read this. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. The creator, the king of all, that's Jesus. It's like, I don't know, Bill Gates 
going to work at McDonald's. Doesn't need to do that, does he? Doesn't need to do that. Jesus goes from heaven, heaven to earth. How he thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of the status no matter what. I've had to catch myself sometimes where I cling onto my rights and my ability to present and push my rights. Jesus didn't do that. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of his deity, of being God. He set aside. He, he didn't exercise them. When was the last time you had the number one seat, the number one whatever, and you set it aside for the benefit of somebody else? He set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, becoming human. So, as we watch all these headlines, as they dominate the news, as we hear some truth, some, all that stuff, as we try to sort that all out, as we try to be a well-informed citizen of the United States, of the planet, a Christ follower, if you will, don't let those um, headlines dominate your hearts. They don't have to be. God is God, and he's on the move. Let's pray together. Grace, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the words of Solomon, how they point us back to life and interpreting life. We ask that you would help us to really be able to see through your eyes the world around us. Help us to understand the authorities you have set in our lives. When we have that authority, we pray that we would use it well. Would others be happy in our life, whether they're authority over us or we're authority over them, that we actually live a Christ-following life, that they're happy when they find out we're a Christian, because they know that will affect the way we live. And when we feel the heaviness of headline news that just breaks our heart, may we find that that doesn't dominate our heart, that we can lean in you, we can rest in you, and know that you've got it covered. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.